Here, there, and everywhere, this is the Hockey Flow. And I'm pleased to share with Adam Boucher and Mark D'Amico, who you can both find on Twitter. Adam can be found at ReallyAdamB, and Mark can be found at ScrimmageStats.com, and of course, at the Hockey Expert. I'm Andrew Cordero. Let's get into episode 59, Wings. We've got wings. It's today is Wednesday, November the 24th, 2021. We're recording this around 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right before the Habs game starts, because, hey, they didn't have a game last night, which is a little strange. But they did have a win. On Saturday night against Nashville, 6-3, and it was quite the lovely affair. I'll t- hand it over to you, Adam. What do people need to know, especially about the man b- between the pipes? Yeah, so Sam Montembeau is uh, the starting goalie for the Habs uh, at the Bell Center on a Saturday night for the first time since 06 with Jose Theodore. So that's that's pretty amazing. And he got the win in front of a bunch of family members. We saw uh, images during the game. He brought everyone in. Uh, for his first game, uh, first home game with with everyone, I guess, and he got the win and a big six zero win, six uh, three win. Sorry, against Nashville. Uh, wow, I'm just really happy for the guy. He had a rough start and now he's getting the first win. Yeah, and he had to make some pretty big saves right off the bat. You know, like that was not easy uh, versus Nashville. And I mean, he hasn't had it easy where he's. When he's played at all at this point, I mean, we all remember the the, the two goals very quickly that he let in uh, the game that Allen was injured. Um, you know, he kind of stood on his head uh, pretty early when he, he was playing against Boston. And then obviously, uh, you know, those, all those goals came in. Um, but I mean, if given a proper defense, I feel like, you know, he was able to, to kind of at least look plausible out there and that's what you're looking for right you're looking for a guy that can hang while your number one is out so uh, given that given the state of the montreal's defense um you know i think he's already given more value than anybody assumed that he would give you at any point this season um so you know that's for me that's pretty good so i uh, uh, you know if he can keep it up fantastic uh but also you know, it's not the end of the world if the if if he lets in a few. Like no one's expecting him to save game. Yeah, he did. He, he was pretty solid the first two period, and he like it got to the third. He let in three goals like back to back, a natural hat trick for Deshane. So that was pretty like. Thank God we had like six goals up, right? We had the wings already. Like well, yeah, five goals up actually. It's yeah. five goals up. Yeah, the thing that I I don't fault him for that either. And that's the that's the key, right? Is is it's not really his fault. All three of those goals were either from inopportune moments or directly correlating to a power play. So it's 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 definitely something uh, that I would uh, keep an eye on. He's looked good at five on five. It's just that he gets killed on the power play. Um, you know, maybe it's the lateral movements. Maybe it's the fact that he has to cover more of his angles that way. But uh, you know, for me, at this point, when I when I kind of look at him, I, I just I'm a little unsure uh, when it comes to if he can maintain that over a long term period for for the next four or five games. Sure, but as we saw, Allen is back now, so we'll be able to we'll be able to turn around and play him and probably ride him until Price is ready uh, sometime around Christmas. Yeah, and he was a waiver pickup, so like he's a. He's as of now he's a third string when everyone comes back healthy. So, I mean, we got value for what we picked up, I guess, and we'll see what happens. I'm I'm 
I can't wait to see Allen and Price back. Like, let's see what this team can do with everyone back healthy. But as of now, we'll. Uh, I'm just happy for him to get his first win at the Bell Center in front of everyone like that. Yeah, I mean, and again, you spoke to the 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 historical nature of it, the fact that it's been almost uh, what 50, 16 years since uh, we've seen a uh, a Quebecois get a a win as a goalie uh, in Montreal. So I mean, that's pretty that's pretty cool for him. And and you know, as I've said to to many people, um, you know, I I understand that you know it, it's fun to have those kinds of moments um and with this season you don't get that many very many highs um so if you can if you can have one of those feel good moments it's definitely one you want to be a part of um but the one thing you know all those multiple did win that game the one thing i did want to point out was ryan pa- ryan paling sorry really looked like he belonged in the nhl that game to me he he looked phenomenal just overall ready to to play and you know yes he scored two goals but even without those 37 seconds of production he looked good on the ice and that is what i want to take from that situation is that over and on you know and above the offense he was driving plays despite you know the canadians were playing 11-7 right so he didn't he didn't have the same line mates basically any shift he had armia and somebody else and every time he was noticeable, regardless of who that third person was. And that, to me, speaks volumes. Yeah, and I think I mentioned it last week. He he looked fast on the ice. Like, for the past couple of games, he looked like the Ryan Paling we saw in Laval last year. Like, dominate and be that number one center that was just everywhere on the ice. And every single time he stepped on the ice, like, in the past week, we just saw him being really quick, uh, implicated in the play, and he just drove offense as you stated how about that second goal like what a shot yeah i mean that was that was you know how we talk about like people being set up on a tee that's basically what that goal was it was just to fully that's what happened f- flipping yeah. that past him and setting it up on a tee and just a oh, quick slap shot and that's over so it's look it looked good um it was very convincing um that he was that involved for me, when you look at how he's playing, where he's playing, like tonight he's playing with Paquette and Armia, which is half of a really good fourth line. Um, it's I'd like to see what he can do up the lineup. Unfortunately, you can't do that without bumping, you know, one of Evans or uh, you know, Dvorak. But ultimately, I feel like. At the end of the day, you might actually wind up switching Evans and Paling if this eventually keeps up. Because to me, Paling has the more instinctual offensive skill set. He has more upside. To thrive. Yeah, he, and you see it in the way he plays. His shot is better than Evans's. Uh, his vision is better. Evans, to me, is, is better in terms of speed, uh, but also in terms of defensive awareness. Like... He, they play different styles and that's why they were so good together in Laval on separate lines is because one took care of the offense, the other one took care of dominating in five on five. As we've seen now with Evans since he's been, you know, playing with Lekkanen in that kind of shutdown duo role, he's been he's been pretty much killing at that. But you need more offense from your centers. Uh, and so at that point, you may want to try 
bumping Evans and Lekkonen down to that fourth line. Uh, and when Hoffman comes back, attempting to maybe roll a Hoffman paling Armia line and see how that works out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Even you mentioned the 11-7 we, we were rolling with the last couple of games. Do we see that continuing? Like It looks like tonight they're going back to that four lines and, and three pairings. Uh, is it just like temporary until Norlinder goes back to Sweden and Edmonton comes back? Like I don't know. It was pretty weird to see, but it worked, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're playing twelve. They're going back to twelve six tonight, though. So it's it was just a little bit because they felt, I guess they didn't feel comfortable with a uh, you know playing Pizzetta in those kind of situations. We with Paling as a young center, um, and they preferred to play the seven D so that they can space out the usage uh, as they inserted a rookie in like Norlander. So I can see the logic behind it. At this point, I think moving forward, you need to go 12-6. Uh, Now, what's arguable is how you put together that 12-6. But, you know, tonight we see, you know, Alexander Romanov again in a, in a top four role for the Montreal Canadiens. It's been about six to seven straight games. Um, so there are some positives to take to the lineups, especially when we look at, you know, who's being used and how. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, Romanov, Savard. Uh, pairing has had uh, ups and downs throughout the season, but Romanov has been on and up for about, I'd say, about nine games now. And I think that's what we need to keep an eye on is who's progressing in this lost season. And, you know, what can we take from it moving forward? And I think that Romanov reaching a top four status, we talked about this on podcasts prior, uh, would be a huge gain for Montreal, who hasn't been able to develop many top four defensemen uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I feel like he's getting there. Like, not only is he f- kind of forced into that role, but he's playing well. Like, he's playing... We saw him at the b- beginning of the season, the first couple of games, he was just all over the ice. Like, out of position, left and right. Now he's he's kind of settling in more into his, his position. He's, he's more responsible defensively, so he's definitely progressing in going to be interesting to see going forward yeah absolutely and and you know as we discuss when Edmondson comes back yeah well when Edmondson comes back he naturally gets pushed down a peg in my honest opinion but I think him being able to hold down that top four role would give you know Mark Bergevin or whomever his replacement might be when that time comes far more incentive to trade a guy like Sherratt than re-sign him and I think that that's what's the important takeaway from this and seeing how, you know, Sherratt is really upping his value in a contract here. Um, I think it makes sense. You're never really going to get this kind of output out of him again. He's going to be on the decline real soon. Uh, if you give him that four or five year term with all the defensemen you've drafted, I don't think it makes much sense. And I think at this point, you know, if, if you move on, you can do so, you know, knowing that, Romanov will be able to take over that role, um, you know, pretty quickly with Edmondson being paired with Petrie. Speaking of trades, like we know, like come trade deadline, we know Chirot's probably out if this trend of, of not winning continues. Uh, I saw this tweet today as well. I think you saw it, Marco, about Toffoli maybe being dealt. Like, is that, is there any proof to that? Is like, I, I feel like 
to fully I haven't heard anything. He has a good contract, like yes, but he's he's also signed for what three or four more years. Possible that a guy like Toffoli would move because under the Canadians, he'll never be as good as he was last year at this point in the season. I don't think he's going to come close to being a 30 goal scoring, you know, 60, 65 point winger for the team. I I don't think he's going to get to that. What I do think is that he upped his value with that season and it's still one season removed when the entire team is bombing is the perfect time to optimize his trade value. Now, I per, I personally like Toffoli. He chose to be in Montreal. I would rather not trade him. But I can completely understand if he doesn't want to be part of two, three years of rebuilding. You know, he signed in Montreal under his agent's uh, advice because the idea was that Montreal was going to be contending. Uh, obviously, we know now what happened with Price and Weber. Uh, and knowing that information, does a guy like Toffoli want to stick around, knowing that he might not make the playoffs this year, maybe even next year, and then we'll see. Uh, and, you know, suddenly this guy is in his early 30s, and he's like, well, what, you know, where'd the time go? What? Why am I, I should be competing for another cup, you know? So I get it. Um, if he is traded, I think it would be for like a top four style defenseman that's on the market with term. Um, I think it would make a lot of sense, especially a right-handed shot. And if not, a comparable uh, top six center. Um, But yeah, it should be pretty interesting. Speaking of another interesting situation, let's discuss the COVID-19 diagnosis of Marc Benjamin. Uh, From latest news on this is that it it seems to be going well and he's turning a corner. But any more uh, more information that we can sort of speak to this subject, Marco? No, he had a first you know, a few rocky days and he did a slew of interviews during and after and he seems to be doing pretty well. So that's good news. Changing our attention now to news from around the league. Let's start off with Brayton Point being out for four to six weeks. Uh, So, Marco, what do people need to know about this particular situation? So really what I, I, you know, if you look at this, um, it's an unfortunate injury for Tampa Bay. And when we see that they're already missing Kucherov, you know, it's it's really unfortunate for them. Um, but hey, I mean, they can use their LTIR space now and they could probably try to acquire someone in the meantime, um, you know, for the next five, four to six weeks. Personally, I think that uh, they're going to try and cope with this. Thankfully, Steven Stamkos seems to be on fire. He's already at 10 goals this season. So they can slot him right back at center with Sorelli and that's already an NHL top. That That's a better center line than in Montreal. So... I, you know, at that point, you have an embarrassment of riches. You call up the youngsters on the wings to play a little higher in the lineup than they're used to. And you you give some opportunities to some other players that maybe don't usually play there. I mean, Corey Perry scored his first goal with the Lightning most recently, and maybe he can move up the lineup too now. So it's unfortunate for the Lightning, but, you know, it happens in a season. So, you know, Montreal is short how many games uh, to injury so far this season. So, you know, it happens. Yeah, and you mentioned them missing Kucherov, now missing Point, like, and they're still sitting like eight in the league. They have eleven, four, and three, so they're still up After there. After starting with them and losing their first like three games in a row, and now they're winning. Like, f- for now me, they're undefeated. Yeah, f- no, for me the like the bigger implications I keep thinking of is are the Olympics, like. You have Point, who's on Canada's roster. You have Kucherov, who's on Russia's roster, and now they're injured. Like, oh, they'll be ready. 
They'll be ready. I guess maybe they're they're just getting ready for the Olympics. Who knows? Oof. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think they're going to take it easy now, but uh, I think the focus will probably be, be getting healthy for the Olympics from this point on, yes. Speaking of Olympics, we're maybe going back to Montreal a bit, but is Carey Price making the roster if he comes back and has like a good couple of games before the Olympics? I think Carey Price makes the roster if he's good to go and doesn't play any games. Uh, that's... Uh, he's a tournament goalie. A, B, when you look at the depth chart in Canada in net, uh, Carter Especially Hart has right had now. a pretty... I said, no, Carter Hart's been looking okay this season. I think he, he's put up some pretty solid numbers so far. But, you know, he has the odd... You're not Flurry. You're not... No, at this point, you're not sending Flurry. But you see Carter Hart has a point two, uh, .928 save percentage through 12 games and a 2.39 uh, goals against. So... If I'm thinking anyone to back him up, it would definitely be Carter Hart. And then if Price isn't able to go that tournament because it's just simply too much from a exertion standpoint, then Hart can take over. Hart seems to be having himself quite the season, despite the Flyers' defense looking like hot garbage. Yeah, even maybe a guy like Blackwood in New Jersey, they're like they're doing decent even with injuries, and we'll see. We'll see what happens, but. I think Price has to go, right? He has to go game one, and then if he's healthy, he goes game one, and we'll see afterwards. It's just going to be interesting to see number two and three, who they're going to be bringing. Yeah, it's a, that's definitely going to be interesting. Will Bennington be part of the equation as well? Like, I just personally, it's it's thankfully not my decision because it's going to piss off some folks, if not a lot of folks. Speaking of people being pissed off, let's talk about the Devils Wild game that's being delayed because the Wild are stuck in New York City traffic. Uh, apparently, they weren't actually stationed next to the, even though there's a hotel right next to the arena, they weren't there. But as uh, many of our U.S. fans will know, and maybe our Canadian fans will know as well, but other else that may be out of the loop, tomorrow is Thanksgiving in the United States, so there's crazy amounts of traffic as people are trying to make it out of the city and the tri-state area to get to their friends and family. So in any case, uh, good luck to them. Other delayed news, let's talk about what's happening with the Islanders organization who have requested the NHL that they have their upcoming games, including the one tonight against the New York Rangers, be postponed so they can get through a COVID-19 uh, spat that they're dealing with. Now, it's kind of interesting to see this because we already knew that San Jose had requested a while back uh, that they had their games delayed and they had nine players without a postponement. And we also saw a similar situation in Ottawa that got at least that far before the games were actually postponed. So let me throw it over to you, Marco. What do people need to know? What do you need to take away? Well, the, uh, the Islanders were short, I believe, seven players uh, due to COVID. And they, are, they also had two major injuries um, to, to go. So they're missing, you know, well over a third of their starting lineup uh, to either injuries or COVID, but mostly COVID. I just, you know, I don't believe that there should be much of a threshold higher than losing a third of your players in one wave of sickness. Uh, I think at that point... You know, the league needs to... I understand what they're trying to do. I think they want to cancel or postpone the least amount of games, um, you know, because it is a pain to reschedule. Um, and also because they're playing on a tighter schedule for having inexplicably uh, scheduled an all-star game and an Olympic break in the same season. Now, um, if common sense were a thing, we cancel the all-star break or wait to see if the Olympics themselves are canceled. Um, but they're trying to do their best to mitigate any form of delay. Uh, and that is causing a lot of teams to have to lose games that they shouldn't have had to lose. Like the Ottawa Senators lost at least two games 
when they were missing 10 players. And only then did the league finally go like, okay, this is pathetic. We've got to stop this. But they felt no such pity for, for San Jose, and they currently feel no such pity for the Islanders. And it's not even the Islanders that are only concerned. It's opposing teams as well, because you frankly don't know what the contamination scale will be, that the, the incubation period of the virus, and if that's caught on these tests. And so that worries a lot of players and executives because they don't want their seasons derailed from COVID. So it's very, uh, very interested. Um, you know, when we saw uh, a couple of years back, uh, you know, outbreaks of the mumps, uh, that was pretty high with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and the Blackhawks didn't get a break either. They just forced these players into isolation. But the league then had a backup plan that if it became too much, uh, I think it was a, fi- a six or yeah, five or six player thing that they would shut down a team for a little bit as they were able to let the, the, the viral process through. Um, you don't see that kind of threshold right now. I feel like the league is just been taken so back by a lost profits that they need to have an all-star game this year. Uh, and they've already agreed to the Olympics, which is going to generate a lot of revenue for the league as well. I don't know. Uh, it's, they backed themselves into a logistical corner, and they should have been a. Li- they should have given themselves a little bit more leeway, in my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, non-binary pals, this has been the Hockey Flow. Again, I'm pleased to share with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico, who you can both find on Twitter. Adam can be found at really Adam B. Marco can be found at scrimmagestats.com, and of course at the Hockey Expert. You can always catch up on all the latest and greatest of this show at the Hockey Flow. That's D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter, and that's it. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers.